0: Welcome to EdVoices, my name is Elena Schulz-Gimeno, and today I'm honored to have Maria Reza with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You're the CEO of Rappler, one of the Philippines' most popular news websites, and you are an award-winning journalist. A journalist giving a lot of interviews uh, lately. <laughs> um, the Time named you Person of the Year in 2018 for taking great risks in pursuit of greater truth. Um, what risks and what truth?
1: It's so funny. Um, I thought we're just doing our jobs, you know, the same thing that I've done for more than 30 years. And uh, something's changed in 2016. And what there, there are really two major stories of impunity that we ran after. Rappler's a very small group, and uh, we ran after impunity in this brutal drug war. Michelle Bachelet at the UN, uh, has esti- her estimate is um, at least 27,000 people killed in this drug war since July 2016. That's huge, it's unheard of, and no one knows exactly how many have been killed, in. and that leads to the second, um, series of impunity stories we're doing which is on uh, the war for truth right the Mm -hmm. first casualty in the philippines war for truth is how many people have (laughs) been killed in the drug war and this war for truth ironically i think that the you know the main culprit are american social media technology platforms companies that have that espouse values that you know enshrine democratic principles and yet in the global south, they've actually helped authoritarian-style leaders to stifle the freedoms that they say they espouse. So we've been focused on that. And then what's happened is um, a climate of fear uh, started, you know, again, when you have an average of eight dead bodies a night, this is how many A are night. A night. Starting in July of 2016, our reporters would come home, and we were just counting. and and that's when we realize some things have fundamentally mm-hmm. changed if the people run away from you or attack you you can shoot them you yeah. can take necessary uh, countermeasures so when when the president says that it changes the dynamics of of not just the public space but accountability so fear and that online fear as well So you have fear in the real world with the drug war and how the president has his own Mm lists where he names, uh, the first list he came out with were politicians who were allegedly involved in the drug war and when these Mm -hmm. politicians start to die, then the threat has teeth and then you transfer that to the second impunity, which is online. Um, There's a disinformation campaign We called it, as early as 2017, in in August of 2017, patriotic trolling, online, state-sponsored hate and violence that is meant to pound you to silence or to target perceived critics.
0: So on the one hand, there is the, let's say, more or less outspoken threat, right? Very much so. There was a quote from Duterte before he got elected saying, just because you're a journalist, you're not exempted for assassination if you're I uh, I don't want to swear, on our podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's the, the open threat, yes. and then there's the manipulation, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Online. Yeah. So how do you feel as journalists? What, what is happening to the profession in your country under these circumstances?
1: I'm going to be very, very optimistic and say the positive end of this is, I hope, a renaissance of the mission and the values that underpin journalism why we became the fourth estate in the very first place but l- now let me give you the reality that is so difficult to live through again in rappler i just i just assumed that this language is noise that will go away and and uh, and yet as early as december of 2016 which is when the attacks the online attacks against Rappler began in July of 2016 and by August 2016 we had data and that was when I went to Facebook and showed them this is really alarming and I sat with three people and I told them you know we've finished our elections but you have US elections Mm -hmm. and if you don't do something about this now
0: Trump could win cuz what was the scope of these attacks? I mean was it just like a few comments here and there? No, or no, no. Or did it's look like?
1: it's it's systematic. It is consistent. It is millions of times. You'd say a lie a million times it's truth. Right? It's a fact. And that's the difference. You know, people will say, well propaganda's been around forever. Yes it has. But what has not been around forever is the technology to be able to say a lie a million times to the point that It crowds out the truth, right? So the old world of censorship, that's gone. You don't need to censor anymore. Uh All you have to do is you flood. You flood so that the truth is buried.
0: Is that a better technique, probably? It's
1: a technique that has turned uh, our worlds upside down and it has created an existential crisis for democracies. And at the front lines are the journalists who are trying to establish the facts. This is a war for facts. In December of 2016, I realized, um, you know, gosh, this is going to be a fight about values, and I and I phrase it this way. And one of the reasons I'm so thrilled to listen to all the interventions uh, at the Congress here is because you guys talk about values. Not (laughs) enough people talk about values. It makes sense that educators will talk about values, but this should be going into the public space because part of what's wrong right now is that technology has atomized our world to minute bits and pieces that have no meaning. Mm -hmm. And what gives meaning are the values that power the reality you build, right? Of course. So so, um, anyway, so what happened was Without looking at values, for me in Rappler, it was just, we continue doing our jobs. But for holding the powerful to account, Mm -hmm. um, social media was weaponized against us. When we came out with our first propaganda series, it was a three-part series. I waited two or three months for Facebook Mm -hmm. to come back to me with a statement or data, Mm -hmm. received neither. Uh, because they're our partners. I thought I needed to alert them. We are huh. doing this. It's transparent right? mm-hmm. the same way I will tell the government I have this. So what's your response? Um, and uh, in October of 2016, we published a three part series immediately. I was deluged uh, and Rappler was deluged. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got that point when when they first started attacking, I was trying to respond, but it was so fast. That all I could do was count, as my feed just got inundated, ninety hate messages per hour.
0: Per hour. Per hour. And that and was how was much I was getting. What was the reaction of Facebook? Do you think they knew before you reported?
1: You know, this has come out in many different ways now, uh, especially after the congressional hearings. Uh, President Obama had had brought this. The U.S. government had brought this to Facebook. I think, um, I think the reason they could turn away was because of the DMCA, right? because they weren't legally responsible, Mm -hmm. and they felt they could look away, but that's truly, uh, it's scary, because as a journalist, um, we've always guarded the, we've guarded the public sphere, right? You cannot allow the public sphere to be inundated with lies, and what happened is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, they became the new, Distributors of news. Facebook is the world's largest distributor of news, and just in the United States, more than sixty-nine percent of Americans get their news from Facebook. This was at the beginning of last year. The, sorry, this year. Sorry, last year, yeah. at the beginning of last year. Yeah. So, and yet they distribute news, but they did not take the responsibility of the gatekeepers. Exactly. So what wound up happening is that lies or half-truths laced with anger and hate spread faster, Mm -hmm. incite anger and hate, polarize our societies and deprive. It clears the public sphere so there is no substantial discussion. So, you know, if you don't have facts, you Mm -hmm. can't have truth. If you can't agree on truth, how do you have trust? You can't have trust. So that's why I've said this over and over and over, and it is, you know, this war for facts, the war for truth, if we don't have that, we don't have democracy.
0: Is emotions standing in your way? The emotions that are being relayed on social media? Facebook asking us, how do we feel about the things that are being posted?
1: Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, a book by Daniel Kahneman. He's, he won a Nobel Prize, mm-hmm. right? Um, it says, thinking fast will always win over thinking slow. Mm-hmm teachers, journalists, we ask people to think slow. This is our rational mind. But everyone knows, all the studies show us that we react with emotions. Mm -hmm. And the way to manipulate people is to play with their emotions, right? In the past, there have been boundaries, even television, right? Why, Why do I like television? Because unlike, say, print, where you have to read and when you read, there's, you're, there are other parts of your brain that is engaged, right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're doing television, everything in that screen is in your control, how you light it, who you interview.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But these were kind of established norms, and you cannot, when you're found manipulating it to the point that you have lost credibility, you're not a journalist. Journalists don't do that. Exactly. We have standards and
0: ethics, because right? It was um, the general discourse about mm, social media Everybody is a photographer, which photographers, of course, didn't find very <laughs> yeah. attractive. But yeah. everybody is a, is a journalist. So, what is the difference? And we're talking a lot here at the iCongress about the profession.
1: I think, and this is where I, I really, really think this is a global problem that needs a global solution. Let us agree on standards and ethics.
0: Who could impose those standards and those I ethics? think because this is not Facebook is not really responsible yeah. for people who post content. Um, have freedom of speech and then get killed including
1: including the freedom of speech to stifle freedom of speech
0: and to demand and to dem- violence and to demand th- and
1: people get killed you said horrible
0: this. things that yes. we've seen that were demanded so you're talking about control who could do something about this and how
1: over the last year i've really been taking part in conversations all around the world I think this is a multilateral approach. I think it requires civic society, it requires educators, it requires journalists, it requires um, technologists for sure, but it requires governments, right? And I compare this to the time post-Holocaust, after World War II, when the world saw how people can, the worst of what human nature can do, and the world collectively said how do we protect ourselves from things like this how do we you know the the one i remember i mean i go back to the short story shirley jackson's the lottery Mm -hmm. you know when when the mob will you know it's wrong but they throw a stone right Mm -hmm. how do we protect ourselves how do we protect another stalin another hitler how do we prevent this and i think that After World War II, there was Bretton Woods for the economy and to help Germany. There was NATO on the military front, and then the societies came together with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, With the Internet, the world left the technologists to deal with it. And it was a wi- it is a wild, wild west, and it is a winner takes all mentality.
0: So you're calling for an international instrument, an international agreement Multi- and a recognition that we are facing a new world in a way. It really is. You were talking once about the old politics using new tools and new tools or new new platforms that do not know so much about old politics anymore, and this mismatch, right?
1: So this, I learned this in June of 2017, relatively early. I was one of 15 people uh, that we were asked to come to Berlin, and it was pulled together by the Atlantic Council, with Madeline Albright chaired it, along with um, the former Israeli mi- Justice Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the former national security advisor in the U.S., so it was a bipartisan on, the, on that part. They invited two journalists, uh, Facebook, Microsoft, um, and we spent from 7 a.m. to 10.30 at night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it was really a free-flowing discussion, and, and what I saw was, you know, like Madeleine Albright wrote fascism, wrote this book on, on fascism, and had had just published it then and she understood all of the signals, did not necessarily understand the technology. Mm -hmm. The technology people, Facebook had two people there, they understood the technology but were really just starting to understand how they had appended the world Mm -hmm. of old politics, of old power, right, because when you have power you don't have to use social media. Because you already have power in the real world, this is social media. In a way, you can think about it as asymmetrical warfare. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get mm-hmm. power, and that's exactly how it's been used by geopolitical power, like Russia, Russian disinformation, right, um, which is which is a web throughout the world and connects to the to the different nations to the networks of and it disinformation. Is in the it countries. is
0: power because it is changing the political landscape in a very effective way.
1: And not just politics, but, you know, w- the tactic and mm-hmm. we've, this has been documented all over the world. The tactic is to take a, f- a fissure line of society, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter in mm-hmm. the U.S., and pound it. And they're on both sides. They're kind of, what they're doing is They are inciting the worst of human nature. They are inciting hate, Mm -hmm. inciting violence.
0: Could it be used in the reverse way, do you think?
1: Absolutely. That was why we created Rappler. So, you know, if you, in 2012, I've learned, so I'm in a very strange place. Part of the reason I believe in the technology is because I was tracking, when I was still with CNN, what I focused on was terrorism. Mm -hmm. And I always found it so fascinating that this virulent ideology how how do suicide bombers, how how do they become suicide bombers, right? That this virulent ideology spreads like a virus, person to person to person in the real world. And before ISIS, uh, my last book is called From Bin Laden to Facebook. Mm -hmm. We saw the shift online. And it was scary to me because there were members of the Abu Sayyaf, which was a group that was partly co-opted by Al-Qaeda-linked groups, Jama'a Islamiyah in the past, I wrote a whole book about it, but the, they were co-opted and they were demanding ransom on YouTube, right? That was 2011. So ISIS came out in 2014. We Anyway, so what I thought is if, the, if, if terrorism, if this virulent ideology can spread on social networks, what are social networks? They're your family and friends. Mm-hmm. What social media? Your social networks, your family and friends without boundaries of time and space. Yes. It's your social networks on steroids.
0: 24 hours all on the steroids. time. Right,
1: mm-hmm. so what was Rappler? I, I was such an idealist, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. <laughs> I, my elevator pitch for Rappler is, we build communities of action okay. because i felt like you can take the journalism you combine it with technology and you build communities with this right and the food you feed your communities is the journalism that we have and you know we successfully did this the first community we built in the philippines was for disaster risk reduction mm-hmm. we built we worked with climate reality we worked with 38 different government agencies and ngos including climate reality we helped bring Al Gore I interviewed Al Gore when he came to the Mm -hmm. Philippines right so
0: So I know it's potential for good exactly exactly but let's imagine right now it's broken yeah and let's imagine that this this solution that makes a lot of sense of having an international instrument or an international agreement as you said an important international agreement for the 21st century that's already like (laughs) halfway through but on social media on the internet on the presence of information. If that doesn't work out.
1: Can I just give you two examples of this now? Right. And sure. then we can go to the negative part of it. <laughs> so one example is I sit on the Information and Democracy Commission. It is a French initiative. Uh, uh, Christophe Deloitte, who is the head of Secretary General of Reporters Sans Frontiers, mm-hmm. along with Nobel laureate Shirin Abadi, they they pulled together 25, about 25 of us from 18 different countries, and this includes that same thing. Um, Academe, journalists, artists, tech people, uh, and we spent a lot of time, Macron actually sat with us, and I learned how he learns. Um, This was before the Yellow Vest, Mm -hmm. right? So we actually came out with a document that lays down kind of like a, a It's the standards and ethics, Okay. very like from my end, looking at it as a journalist, there's that. Separately from that, you have uh, just uh, a week, two weeks ago, uh, London, um, in London, Great Britain and and Canada. So UK and Canada came together and they asked for a global pledge. And I believe there are at least 12 different countries that have signed on to this um, where... It's, again, a system of values, but with more oomph than the Information and Democracy Mm -hmm. Commission, which also now has nations signing up to it, right? But um, in this one, what they did is they announced a global media fund. It's Defend Media Freedom. Uh, They announced um, Great Britain, I think, released millions of dollars to be able to help systems of facts, help defend Mm -hmm. uh, facts, help defend journalists. And there's so much more. I mean, and this is also where Amal Clooney, who's a human rights lawyer, came and she's put together a a legal panel Mm -hmm. of minds who will help defend uh, those under attack. Mm -hmm. And I think you pointed this out that, you know, this includes teachers as well as Mm -hmm. the journalists. Anyway, so there's those two that at least we're involved in. I'm also involved in something called uh, the Civil Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on the Civil Council. This is using blockchain for that. There's, you know, right now I feel like I'm throwing spaghetti Another, against the wall yeah, because I don't know what will work.
0: So many initiatives. But
1: it's, we need to try them all because yes. we don't know what will so work. So there's right? hope.
0: That's good. I was just thinking, OK, if it proves to be such a useful tool for certain governments, Which it they're is. unlikely to go go against it. But if Facebook agreed, convinced of values that we were talking about before, it would be so easy. Never mind, if it didn't work out, there's this concept of media literacy, right? That's flying around, and which is where probably our professions get together. Do you think teachers should be teaching not just about values, not just about history and expecting their students to conclude and to analyze and to be able to to discern Mm -hmm. but do you think media literacy should be taught in schools as such with examples
1: yeah 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 absolutely look um i've spent a lot of time three years (laughs) thinking about solutions for this right Uh and i think about this as short medium and long term Mm -hmm. long term is education it's in your hands because in the end you know this is kind of what i said yesterday in the end education is the skeleton of everything and you will have students each teacher will have a student for a year and that's that's huge that you know a reporter will have a will have an audience for three seconds (laughs) you know you get them for a year so longest term obviously education and the educational systems in each of our countries have to change have to adapt to technology Mm -hmm. Um, medium term is media literacy there I think it was Hunter uh that so south korea brought american educators to try to talk about to teach media literacy Mm -hmm. Uh, there are other parts of the world where this is now being taught um media literacy is critical facebook's journalism program started focusing on media literacy i think they missed the point but you know it's okay i'll put because in the end, it's the algorithms that's the problem. It's the distribution of lies. It's the vi- the virality of lies that crippled our democracies, mm-hmm. right?
0: And the bubbles, right? Where these lies just bounce around. Because
1: again, that's the, the setup. That's the makeup of the algorithms mm-hmm. that underpin yeah. these technology platforms.
0: Those algorithms were made to sell. So what so happens now? You don't <laughs> sell shoes to the people who were interested in those shoes. You sell ideas to people who already are halfway into believing them and then believe them to 300 percent.
1: It's scary, right? Is I mean, that if not you
0: a, a misconception of the system, maybe of the algorithms?
1: So let me be, let me defend them since they're not here. Because <laughs> uh, we work with them because yes. I believe in the short term, mm-hmm. it's only the social media technology platforms that have the power to act right now. Right. They can wait for legislation and some of them actually like Facebook actually asked for legislation. They asked, Mm -hmm. tell us what to do, because if they're told what to do, it's simpler Mm -hmm. than actually trying to figure it out themselves. An algorithm
0: can be fixed. Right.
1: So, So the algorithms were imagine Remember the 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 mission that that they wanted and there was a lofty mission at the beginning, which was to connect the world. Google says, you know, all the world's information, do no evil. I mean, these are all and this is great to come out of businessmen's mouths. But if you think about it, that kind of made sense because they were so young, that was what they could do. And because they were so successful, the rest of the world listened. And I believed that um, I believed the intentions were good at the beginning. But what it does is it optimizes for time on site, meaning if you're on Facebook, they will optimize that feed so that you stay on Facebook. That's where all the product development. go. Real time, have noticed. Right, so what have you noticed? Number one, it's literally rewiring your brains. It's rewiring the, our neural pathways and it is uh, influencing the hormones in our bodies the chemicals and hormones in our bodies. So first is it is mildly addicted because you have uh, higher levels of dopamine, which causes mild addiction to gambling and oxytocin. Oxytocin is, you know, it's called the love hormone. Very good. Very you, good drug, right? <laughs> you hug someone longer than six seconds. You feel really, really good for. So there's that, right? Mm-hmm. So we knew that early on and this was part of the reason I you know, Rappler is built on social media. Um, I know. And we grew 100 to 300% year on year at the beginning because of this, right? But here's what happened. I think in 2015, um, instant articles targeted news groups Mm -hmm. to try to bring them Mm -hmm. out of Twitter. So Twitter up until this year was Uh, real-time feed, Mm -hmm. no algorithm determining what you see. So most news people stayed on that because breaking news is there, right? But then Facebook said, let me look at that because I want to take you in and uh, if you realize, if you know at that point Google was doing AMP, because mm-hmm. the news groups weren't yes. able to optimize for mobile phone. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook said, we're going to build you something that will be faster than what you already have, and it can distribute. So mm-hmm. they became the world's largest distributor of news. That began in the, in the West in 2015. In the Philippines, there were four of us who were invited, four news groups, mm-hmm. um, and that began at the end of 2015. Um, news groups have different levels of risk. I threw all of Rappler into it because I need a baseline. And then by February 2016, I pulled all of Rappler out of Instant Articles because I realized that it wasn't good for us, right? It
0: wasn't working.
1: So what did it do? By 2016, May, President Duterte is elected. A month later, you have Brexit. After that, you have Trump. After that, you have the Catalonia elections, Mm blah, 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 blah. Do you think
0: democracy is still possible?
1: Oh, my gosh, of course it is. That's why we can't stop fighting, Mm -hmm. right? Because here's the other part. I don't think the people in Facebook, in Google, in YouTube, in Twitter, I don't think they're bad people. And I don't think that they want to destroy democracy. I think that um, I'm working with some really good people in these organizations, and some of them are more adults, more mature than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a difficult time. And while tech is the accelerant, right, because we've started this global, the global move towards authoritarianism or or populism, that began in 2014 with the election of Modi. Mm -hmm. Think about that, right? And that's part of the reason the social media landscape in India is just insane real people are going to come out soon because it's it's so weaponized mm-hmm. right anyway so maudi then in indonesia in 2014 uh the former the son-in-law of uh former president suharto almost won and it was actually social media that
0: stopped yeah that, you had the right? 15th of may in madrid madrid etc etc cetera, et cetera. Every right. everybody was very happy about it no of course we were saying it can be used both ways right and it can ignite can ignite solidarity it can ignite see collaboration so all I'm asking from social media is that they take
1: care of the city they've created that when someone is murdering someone else that they hold them to account that's all right because what's happened is they built the city but then they put no traffic lights they put no laws in place and their laws are so Uh, content moderation is a whole other thing, right? Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, David Kay, the U.N. Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Expression, just published a book uh, and his recommendation, which I've long been saying, you know, take the content moderation policies, use the U.N. Declaration of Human Rights.
0: Do you still have time to write, Mm. to report, to or are you advocating for those values that we were talking before? Is that maybe now higher mm. on the agenda?
1: It's weird right now because when I was managing the largest news group in the Philippines, so I, I was with CNN for for 20 years, almost 20 years, 18 years, 18, 18 and a half years. And uh, when I left CNN, I felt like a master of the universe in my craft. I mm-hmm. know my craft. I know it. Right. I can do breaking news. I can. And yet. When I moved into, into the largest network, I learned. And that's a huge period of learning, right? But that is nothing compared to today. When we created Rappler in 2011, the end of 2011, our website went up January 1, 2012. When we created it, we had to have enough humility to realize we knew nothing. And that's this new world. You know nothing because everything is being created in front of your mm-hmm. eyes and you are part of it. So t- in, in, t- in reaction to what you said, I think that, you know, again, I'm an optimist, so I look at everything as uh, collectively good because mm-hmm. while I'm under attack, I see the worst of what it can be. It's experiential. It is the weaponization of social media and the weaponization of the law. It is the worst of how a government can take advantage of the foolishness of the social media Mm -hmm. platforms and the world's inability to call out human rights violations, Mm -hmm. right? At the same time, as a journalist, it is just fascinating to me to be able to write, to, to understand. Like, I've learned a ton just sitting in on what, happening here mm-hmm. these the educators who are saying things that frankly should be out in public but there's so much chaos that Not we can't just get chaos, it out
0: there's the same persecution often in some countries against um, what we call wisdom workers teachers and against workers of truth
1: so that's also where i think they're natural allies. I, I think that, I said this, when, as soon as I stood up, I said, journalists write the first page of history, but teachers cement it. <laughs> they cement it I still. think
0: you're absolutely right. Maria Reza, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you, you, you me, for Maria having me. <laughs> to get the latest global education news and advocacy, subscribe to Ed Voices on your favorite podcast app or anytime on SoundCloud. And as always, tell a friend, spread the word, and please give us a review on iTunes.